How well do you know your customer and the value their products have to offer? In this episode, we'll discuss several learning points to be gleaned when developing and maintaining a healthy relationship between you and your customer. This and much more with the MedTech Business Academy. Okay, everybody. Well, welcome back to uh, the MBA podcast, MedTech Business Academy podcast. And today we've got uh, myself, Barbara Strain, Skinder Darity, and Tom Hickey uh, are the participants in today's podcast. And when I said myself, I'm Ted Newell. So we're uh, going to be discussing how you well didn't need do- an introduction. What? I thought you didn't need an introduction. I just well, do the voice. Not, every, not yeah. everybody recognizes my beautiful voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but today we're going to be talking about um, how well you know your customers. So um, it's a, it sounds like an easy subject uh, for people, but we have determined that it is not necessarily so easy. So I will let um, a couple of you take it away in terms of where you think we are in terms of knowing our customers. Who wants to go first, Tom? Sure, I'll jump in. Um, you know, this is a really critical question, uh, especially today uh, as we come out of the uh, post-COVID uh, world here. Uh, hopefully globally we're, we're beyond COVID, you know, the jury's still out, but a lot of things have changed. Uh, so even if you think that you know your customer uh, and you know them from a perspective of a year ago, a lot has gone on. Uh, there's been new reimbursement codes that have been out there. There's been reimbursement codes taken away. Um, there's been a lot of mergers. There's been a lot of re-examining of what's happening from both the supply chain and a clinical practice process. So if you felt comfortable coming into this year, I would suspect that you should feel a little anxious and I'll leave it there for a minute and let some of the other, uh, our other colleagues chime in. Now, I'm just curious, are you suggesting that the world has changed recently? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. Um, again, a couple of things have gone on. Yeah. So uh, I, I think some of that has, uh, has occurred. Got it. Yeah, we keep Skender in his box. So, you know, <laughs> pardon him. Skender, I'll Skender, a little... Skender, Skender must be over his COVID because he's a little, little feisty today. <laughs> Who knows? So I'll go a little bit here from a, a provider viewpoint that I keep uh, touch with often, and then how I try to advise uh, clients that I get is your call points could have changed dramatically. Uh, the business model could have changed dramatically. So what I mean by that is if you were calling on someone in a physical space, they're probably all now virtual. And a lot of those physical spaces don't even exist anymore. So don't even try to walk to the building. Uh, for whether you're an established uh, supplier out in the market and you have been for 50 years or whatever, versus somebody brand new listening to this podcast, say, I want to learn, all of the points we're going to say apply is that some of you, with all those established call points, and what was really going on and everything. If you haven't figured out that those have changed by now, uh, you're a little behind the game. Um, I will start this part of the conversation, but we can uh, go ahead with this is, 
business model changes are really, really critical because of all of the monies that have been lost, there are still organizations that either haven't opened up, say, value analysis or looking at new products because they're just trying to get on their feet, whatever we've said in other episodes. But they could have changed. I'll just give an example. Maybe someone has decided it's a good thing to change their cardiology, either peripheral vascular or vascular division or some of their electronic uh, electrophysiology, whatever it is, to a value-based care model. That's a totally different ballgame. And there's, uh, as Tom said, reimbursement uh, ramifications. And a lot of that might be what's going on with the physicians in those spaces and things. So there's a lot of learning points there. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to use an anecdote from a discussion we just had with a prospective client. Um, this was a, uh, it's an early stage company. However, the executive team, uh, senior uh, uh, seniority came from fairly large companies. And one of the discussions we were having was their ability to gain access into various hospitals. Um, and one of the things that, that struck me is they had made a priority to focus on the Indian Health Network in the Southwest of the United States. And again, these are big company executives who basically said, we have tried for the last six months to our shareholder chagrin to break into the same channels that we were accustomed to breaking into. However, we were having difficulty breaking into those acute care hospitals. So we are now trying to zig where everybody else is zagging and going to those other institutions that we may not have focused on as much as we would have those very sparsely populated areas of the Southwest, but where they can pick up some momentum because nobody's giving them enough attention. And I'm not in any way denouncing the, the Indian Health Network or anything in the, the rural parts of the Southwest. I'm only advocating for the fact that these organizations, our med tech customers, are starting to recognize that I don't know when a Herman Memorial in Houston is going to be able to make a move for a new product evaluation. Therefore, knowing my customer and knowing that I want to get into a Baptist or Baylor or wherever it may be, let me go to another health system and get to know them to create some momentum. So what I'm hearing a little bit is not knowing the changes that have taken place with your customers and what that means in terms of, for example, access would be one issue, uh, access to those customers. I had a conversation the other day with a, um, a podcast guest on my podcast, and he made an interesting point that a lot of companies, um, if you look at their websites, if you listen to their missions and their uh, vision statements, they talk about the customer being the patient. And his point to me was the customer is not your patient, uh, not the patient. Ultimately, yes, it is. But the customer are the people, uh, all the people in that string in the hospital, if it's a hospital-based product or a nursing home, all the people that touch that product, <clears throat> excuse me, are your customers. And you really need to focus on what their issues are, what their goals are, what their problems are, if you want to compete in a value-based care environment. That's a that's a really good point, Ted. In the sense of uh, really understanding uh, what's going on in the environment, 
because it's not just the, the clinical decision maker any longer. It's, it's many that are uh, oftentimes behind the scenes and asking who besides yourself is involved in this decision is really an important question to ask. And also, you know, in many cases, it's who's paying for it, right? What's the reimbursement pathway look like? Making sure you understand that landscape because uh, we deal with a lot of innovators all the time that really grasp at, to try to understand or they're looking at wrong codes, right? So it's really understanding, doing a very deep dive in terms of how are things gonna get paid for and how are they gonna affect the workflow of not only the clinical team, but everybody else along the delivery uh, pathway. Yeah, because in provider organizations, every department was not, you know, not spared from COVID. The, between the food services, the environmental services, everybody was all hands on deck. They all had to change models. And, and in a lot of sense, they did not go back to a lot of old models as a result of that because they are also recouping. So that's why I'm always advocating for value analysis being one of those call points that you have to pay attention to because they do have a pulse on the organization and they know who to invite in to various uh, meetings, whether virtual or live, there's still a lot of live things, you know, happening, but they know who to call on because they know who is affected and how those operations may have changed. And if you have a product that's, or a service that may be, you know, really pretty good, but it means that two or three other departments, uh, what I call like you know, so many rings away from where the patient care is being done, they may not be able to absorb a change like that. Barbara, it's been a few weeks since I asked you um, about your brethren and their value analysis activities. Has there been any movement that you've heard anecdotally? There's been as much movement as they can make. So I think they're doing more, but however, uh, just talking to a colleague yesterday afternoon, and I think it was like 3.30 or almost four o'clock, they still had nine extremely important product substitution back orders that they were working on that is just bizarre stuff and that you need to know your clinical chops and work with the clinical folks to even know that there may or may not be something that can be used. So a lot of time is still being uh, consumed by those backorders. And just to clarify for the listeners, what I'm asking Barbara and what I've been doing periodically over this year is just asking her, because Barbara's so um, intertwined with the value analysis community and obviously leads it as, as the godmother of value analysis, uh, <laughs> but asking her to, to offer a finger on the pulse as to what she's hearing from her brethren as to whether they are actually engaging in value analysis activities. And for the most part of this year, it's been a resounding no, not because they don't want to, right, Barbara? It's because right. you just can't get to it for nine massive back orders right. of product. But when it's high value, you know, they're working 10, 12 hours a day still because they do need 
they have so many needs, but they understand that when they're, you know, VP of supply chain or the CFO or chief medical officer says, you know, we need to really look at this because we have an opportunity to make some wholesale changes in how we practice. That's what everybody's really sort of focusing on now is what do we really need to do our practice, but maybe do our practice better because they're all seeing the great walk away as well, the great retirement, people leaving. So you can't necessarily do every procedure or practice at the bedside or the OR table side or the procedure side the way you were before because you may not have the personnel, but maybe there's technology that can help you. So it's it's a not even a double-edged sword. It's like the 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 Ginsu knife of uh, threats out there that they're having to deal with. And Barbara, I would add, I think you raise a very good point in, in one of the things that we do at TTI where I work is we're working with innovators all the time about how do you communicate that message? Because there's there often you know, a little bit of um, confusion ab about how do we reach these folks? And you, you don't reach them anymore by just calling up and saying, hey, can I stop by and, and talk to you for a few minutes? You've got to provide compelling evidence to get their attention, to show them how it's going to help patient throughput, better outcomes, better you know, return on investment, whatever that value is. It's got to be very, very clear. But beyond that, it needs third-party validation, mm -hmm. right? Because it just... it a white paper done in the, the lab down in your facility, uh, that's nice, but it's really not gonna pass mustard anymore in a sense of what it's gonna do to get you in the door. So having clear, concise evidence that supports what you're saying is probably more important than I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. And it has to be recent. Um, looking through some bibliographies and references from different clients and things. Uh, you know, I saw something from 2005 the other day and I went, ah. So uh, yeah, it really needs to be recent and relevant. I, I'm just curious, why, 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 do you, why do you place an emphasis on that, Barbara? Well, if, if you are going by some sort of standard that helps support your product, but you're using say a standard, I'll just use 2005. There's a lot of things that have happened since then. And we all know that things have happened since then. So if your product was relevant in 2005 and that's what you based your 510K on or whatever, what's happened since then that you can make that compelling argument? Now, there's a lot of folks that don't realize that their product maybe isn't relative, relevant anymore or that, well, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't see why we have to go do that. But there's a lot of innovation, as Tom says, more than we've ever seen before. And whether it's an app or it goes all the way through to one new product, but it's really going to bring so much value, uh, everybody has to sharpen their game. So Swiss Army knife this time. So, yeah. so what we've agreed, what we've agreed on is that there's a lot of changes that have taken place over the last couple of years 
going and they're continuing continuing right now that are changing the nature of our customers and it's possible that people had um the wrong viewpoint of what a customer really is and who who the, the customer that they should be focusing on so we agree on all of that how does somebody keep their ear to the ground um and stay in touch with uh, various stakeholders, maybe who should those stakeholders be, but how does somebody keep their ear to the ground to understand these changes and who they should be communicating with, um, how they should be try to remain involved with there's the, the various customers and all the stakeholders involved in their product? I would say, first of all, just asking a lot of questions when you can get one of your customers on the phone or even engaged in email, um, making sure that you understand what's going on in their world and how they are now structured. Uh, going back to some of the basics, uh, as Barbara said earlier, you know, things have changed so radically over the last couple of years, and many of the folks that used to be there are gone. Um, and Maybe they're going through a merger, maybe something else is happening, but finding, you know, what is your current practice, not in the sense of a clinical standpoint, but the current protocol for bringing something new in or continuing to even use the products you're using today, right? So it, it, there, there's no comfort any longer. So even if you're well-established in the account, you want to make sure that nothing's changed behind the scenes in terms of how they're looking at things because uh, there are a lot of innovators out there looking at how do we disrupt these markets? And you've got to take every day uh, and, and really validate not only your new business, but your existing business. Or you so want to know what has changed, not, yeah. not yeah, what has changed and what you can do about it. Barbara, are you going to say something? Well, one thing, and I've said it probably on a couple of our podcasts ago, but I'll reemphasize that as I've been to seven different meetings, live meetings this year. And it's a great place to connect with providers, uh, to buy them a cup of coffee or to sit with them at lunch during a meeting or whatever. But you can have very great opportunities to network and find out what's really going on because they will have updated their information they're handing to you, especially reverse expos where the providers uh, are the people in the booth and you can come up to them and talk. And usually there's lots of hours set aside, but like the premier breakthroughs for the GPO, they had 3,700 attendees most of which were um, their member providers because it's part of their membership that they can go and they don't have to expend as much money to go to something like that. So suppliers and manufacturers, distributors, if you don't even have a contract, there's a place for you to have a, a way to go to those meetings. There's a, a registration for those as well. So being part of a professional organization as a member, if you can be, but at least uh, look at those calendars and have your company put together a calendar of key meetings that you can divide and conquer and attend and have some specific 
people you want to talk to. You get lists of attendees. You can make appointments ahead of time. You can do focus groups. You can do a variety of things in those settings. But one of the questions that like a field sales rep, account manager for several big hospitals, let's say Nashville, Tennessee or Indianapolis, Indiana or something like that. What, what should this person be asking uh, their account about what is going on so that they, you know, what, what are a list of questions that they could ask maybe one, one or two of their key contacts in that hospital? What are the major initiatives that you're hearing from senior management? Okay, so what are the major initiatives you're hearing from senior management? Okay. Well, it's physician-driven. What's the CMO pushing on everybody? If it's nursing-driven, what's the CNO pushing on everybody? And then usually there's some sort of influence that's coming from the CFO, right? There is something that is being trickled down. So have, trying to get an understanding of the macro perspective, which not every physician, not every nurse is going to understand, but chances are that the department leaders will be able to tell you because they're the ones who push it down and everybody else. Getting that understanding, if you can get a macro picture and understanding the macro picture, it's going to help you understand where your product falls and how to potentially position yourselves. And then I, if you go, oh. go, go ahead, Barbara. I was just going to say, if we're at macro, then I'm going to go mid level is that you also need to find out what are their true needs or problem that they're trying to solve. So you have the high level macro that have more far reaching in which they have bigger uh, initiatives. Then there's those mid-level in which they have specific needs. Are they falling behind in quality initiatives? What are they? Is there a matchup? So what are their real needs are today? Is it throughput through the ORs? Is it you know something in any of their specific uh, specialty verticals? But that's sort of the mid-level. I would add to that, uh, there's a couple of things. One, you know, looking at if you're trying to get new business in an account where a competitor is asking them about what's slowing them down and relatively relative to that particular procedure. You know, are there any frustrations? Are there any challenges in terms of getting things done quicker or more efficiently? The other thing is um, in, a, in a positive sort of way, there's a lot of great resources to research your accounts even before you walk in the door through uh, CMS, even through the hospital websites, uh, trying to get a feel for what do they have going on? Is there a new building initiative? Are there new things that they're doing from a quality standpoint? Looking at their star ratings, you know, seeing where some of those challenges might be and, you know, don't flog them with, hey, I looked at your, your star ratings really are, are awful here. But, you know, taking it from a standpoint of, you know, hey, hospitals have used our product and have improved star ratings by implementing, you know, X, Y, Z. Now you're coming with something that could be a real resource to them because you've done your homework. Mm -hmm. I would say as well, uh, going a little bit back toward what Barbara was talking about, mid-level or even, even a little bit lower, is to, is to ask somebody, um, you know, indicate that they have been your main contact or one of your main contacts. Has anything changed in the personnel around the um, around this product area, around this service area that I should know about? 
that or somebody else I should be talking to that's new or has some new responsibilities. Um, you want to make you want to keep in control of and keep in good contact with all the stakeholders along the usage path of your product. And so you might be want to ask somebody um, what changes have taken place or do you see will take place? And that person might tell you, they might say, well, gee, now you brought it up. I'm leaving this position in three months or four months. I'm, I'm probably going to be promoted. Well, now you know, but you should know about all those things and ask for their help. And, you know, can I tell so-and-so that you suggest I introduce myself? If, if you can start an email with that or start a, a phone, a voicemail with that, you're way ahead than doing something cold. Yeah, I, to that point, Ted, one of the things that we see way more often today is the involvement of infection prevention in almost every aspect of healthcare. Um, they are being asked to mine data, review data, as well as being more a much bigger and bigger part of the value analysis and purchasing journey. And I think, you know, obviously the pandemic aided in that. I mean, Tom told us the world changed, so I'm still trying to play catch up to that fact. Um, He's but, taking our word for it. Okay. But, but with that, you know, prior prior to COVID, you know, remember they were known as infection control. It was more of a dynamic of after it happens. Now the paradigm is infection prevention, and as a result of that, that's a bigger part of every aspect of healthcare. And I think. I think that's something that you really need to think about in the value analysis process and, and the approach to your customer's process is there's going to be an infection prevention. It's probably somewhere down the chain to this. What have I thought about as to how we, how we speak to them? Right. One you know, another, another thing is that you to offer to help, you know, not just help sell them something new, but it, let's say they're already currently a customer. Uh, who knows, maybe they're having some problems with your product acquiring it. Maybe you need to lean on your company a little bit more. Sure, the squeaky wheel gets the gets the grease, right? But uh, offer to help in some way or um, you've had some, have you had some turnover? Would you like me to organize some training? I'll take it off your hands. I'll, I'll organize it for you. You know, I think offering to help also keeps you in the good grace as opposed to you're just calling because you're looking for a favor, you're looking for um, some information and, and, but you're offering them nothing in return. So we talk a lot about products, but I always want to bring up those services because you may have a great purchase service and maybe you went into an organization a couple of years, three years ago, and you didn't win the business or they decided not to go in that direction there's a lot more emphasis now on what can I outsource that is going to be a better uh, value proposition to, to me provider, because now I don't have the staff to do it, or I need to free up my staff's time that are here. So what sort of things do you need to look like? So medical technology encompasses all of those things, whether it's IT services or products, whether it's long-term or new technology. So I never wanna forget those things as well. Okay, so we're coming up pretty close to um, our time for the podcast, but I thought I would just try to capture some of the things we've talked about. We started off a little bit defining the problem, um, which I think probably a lot of people that are listening have run into. 
But then we started approaching it on several levels. I heard us talk about the macro level. So if you are that sales rep in Nashville or Indianapolis, and let's say one of your accounts is a Humana hospital, you need to know what's going on at Humana in general, um, you know, overall throughout the entire country, you need to be paying attention to that. So at the macro level, and then at the hospital itself, at the macro level, that's where Skender was talking about, you know, do you know what initiatives they have in the, the C-suite has going that could affect the care of the area that you supply or the areas that you supply. Then we're at the mid-level um, and then we're at the um, more of the lower level of, of people that are actually handling the products and, and using the products. Uh, any other final comments um, that people have in terms of, you know, how well do you know your customer and what are you doing to make sure you know them? So I'm going to have two real quick. Um, one is the old adage that rely on your current customers. We've all heard the numbers. Every current customer is 16x more valuable than a new customer. So start relying on them more than hunting as much as you are. See what more you can find and how you can be a better partner for them. And the second point is, and this is just really simple, this is the time to become more of a student of the game than ever before. Unfortunately, between all the internet resources and all the publications and blogs that are out there and podcasts such as this, uh, of which we represent three just on this podcast alone, four, sorry, um, with Barbara's, um, you know, on this bar and this podcast alone, there are so many ways to become knowledgeable about what is current and what is happening. Be a student. That's how you learn who your customers are. Excellent. Tom. I, you know, I, I think Skinder is right on and, you know, being a student and then taking that information and immersing it with your current clients and your new clients, really trying to understand what's going on within their organizations. We talked, but walk a mile with them in their shoes and really understand what their workflows look like and how your technology can impact that uh, to the positive and make their lives better. I think to the, yeah, to the medical technology community, be sure that what you learn, you also communicate throughout your whole company. So it's not siloed communication so that your whole company can benefit from the bits of information that you learn that can educate the whole company. How do you lean on one another in order to get ahead and understand? <laughs> excellent points. All excellent final points. I really love it. Um, and with that, we'll wrap it up. And we wish everybody that's been listening today to have a great day, what's left of it, or a great week, and um, um, be successful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Learning how to navigate the changes your customers face is important to competing in the value-based care environment. Whether at the macro or micro level, your customer may have several pain points. Your responsibility as a medtech provider is to provide thorough and concise solutions for their throughput problems. Success lies in understanding what is slowing your customer down relative to a particular step in the process or even a particular procedure. Thank you for tuning in and continuing to earn your medtech MBA with the MedTech Business Academy.